Do you ever feel like your relationship could use a little bit of work? I know I've been there myself. Are there underlying issues that have been hard to address or maybe they've gone unresolved for too long? They've just been sitting and lingering in your relationship. Well, if that's the case, it might be time to take a closer look at the general health of your relationship. And that's why today I'm asking, what are the signs of a weak relationship. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. With any relationship, I don't care if it's romantic, platonic, if it's familial, if it's a work colleague, there's always a chance that the relationship gets a little bit unstable. There's an instability factor that comes in, and if you don't tackle it head on, that instability can then lead to a rift in the relationship. And when we're talking about a romantic relationship, you kind of have to have your hand on the pulse of how it's doing on a pretty regular basis. I always tell my clients in my practice that there's no such thing as stagnation when it comes to relationships. Your brain constantly looks for movement. It never goes to sleep, right? Our bodies go to sleep and then our brains almost go into hyperactive drive when we're sleeping, restoring everything. So there's no such thing as just staying still. We're good, And that's it, right? It just doesn't exist in relationships. Things are either growing or things are fading. You know, we're pulling apart. We're fading away. The relationship starts to, in other words, die a little bit. So what are the signs? What are the signs that your relationship are weak, are on the fritz, you know, on the, on, (laughs) there's something to be looking out for. The first one Uh, which might seem obvious, but there's some subtleties here, is that you're arguing more than usual. And the key to that phrase is more than usual. Every couple is going to be different. Every couple has a different conflict style. Every person has a different communication style. And some couples argue every day. And that's okay, as long as there's a lot of connection. In the Gottman world, we always talk about ratios. So what is the ratio of positive to negative interaction? Is it one-to-one for every argument you're having? Are you having only one moment where you kind of connect and are happy together? Or is it five to one where, yes, you argue every day, but you're also just attached at the hip. This happened very often during COVID. People started working from home and they started realizing, I'm arguing with my spouse or my partner every day. That's crazy. Well, yes and no. If you're around them 24 hours, are you also having breakfast, lunch, and dinner together? Are you also having a great good morning hug and a good morning kiss and a good night kiss? And are you also watching movies together? I mean, really, are you just condensing what used to be a week or two of your time together into a 24-hour period? If that's the case, one argument in the day might be totally acceptable. 
possible. If you're having 10 great interactions and then you have one argument a day, I'd say that's actually really, really healthy. Obviously, you want no arguments. Obviously, you want to have as little to no arguments as possible in a relationship, but that's not always practical. People have opinions. People have you know, passions, and there's going to be things where you don't see eye to eye. So the question is, are you arguing more than usual? If you're the type of couple that hardly ever argues, maybe you don't have a very passionate relationship by other people's standards. You kind of live your lives. And I see this a lot when people get married older in life, in their late 30s to 40s, not quite when they're retired. That's a whole different ballgame. But when they are when they get married in that age range, they tend to be career-centric. They tend to have a, a pretty stable social circle. Not always, but this is kind of what I find more often than not. And so they've learned to live their lives as an individual, and they coupled up. Now, they're coupling up because they want the companionship, they want to start a family, but they for all intents and purposes, could have lived the rest of their lives on their own. Might not have been as fulfilling, but they have their routine. They have their social circles. They have their career. They have everything kind of in its place. So those couples might not argue that much, but they also aren't a part of each other's lives in every little nook and cranny like it might be if they both met in high school and never had a chance to develop their own social circles. They do everything together. They go shopping together. That's a different type of couple. And a couple like that, that doesn't spend that much time together except for their weekly date night and a couple minutes every day just to kind of check in with each other, they might not argue but once a month. But they also don't have that crazy close, passionate bond over every little thing in their life. So a couple like that, if they're only arguing once a month and suddenly it creeps into every two weeks, that's double the amount of fights. And that's something to be aware of. Now, if you're the type of couple that argues every day and suddenly you're arguing twice a day, again, same thing. So you have to kind of say, well, what's the benchmark for us as a couple? When was when were we really happy and kind of complacent or used to the arguments? If it was once every few days, once a week, once every few weeks, and has it creeped up? Is it more than usual? That's the main thing to consider. The other thing that you might want to consider is how intense are the arguments? How extreme does it get? Does it get to yelling? Does it, God forbid, get to fistfights? Does it get, does it get to physical violence? I have clients in my practice who, it's, it's funny, when there is a little bit of physical violence in the relationship, we have to prod in counseling because it's not something couples typically will tell us on the first session, second session, unless we really try and pull it out of them. And uh, it surprised me when I was starting. It surprised me that I would be meeting for, with someone for six sessions, seven sessions, and suddenly it's like, oh, that's like when she hits me. And I'm like, excuse me? What's going on? And it turns out that he has pictures of himself full of bruises or vice versa, and it becomes a real issue. So, uh, you know, is there violence that's creeped in? That's a serious, serious problem. I can stand for yelling, I can stand for name calling. I, you know, I don't like it, but I get it. I understand that emotions are hard to contain. One thing I never stand for in my practice is violence. 
because it doesn't do anyone any good ever. Honestly, unless it's an, an act of self-defense, violence is not, it's, you're really hurting yourself. You know, if there are kids in the picture, you're teaching them the wrong thing. If you do get back together after violence and you think you have to teach your partner a lesson, then, you know, the truth is getting getting back to that place where you're in a happy relationship just is much harder for both of you. So violence is obviously something to look out for. But are you also yelling when you used to just have passionate arguments with that took a while and maybe people, you know, emphasize their point, but it didn't get to yelling? Or if it got to yelling, usually is it has it gotten to the point where you actually feel your heart rate go up? How extreme are these? And how long does it take you to make up? One of the craziest things to me, and I had I had to discover this in my own marriage, is that when we start dating and when we start being a couple, many people who have not learned that this is part of the routine of being a couple and part of the cadence that you fight and you argue and then you make up and you move on, right? If you haven't learned that, many people have this assumption, either conscious or somewhere deep down in their subconscious, that the fight is the last fight. That this fight that they're having with their partner will actually cause the breakup. And when I, I remember when we first got married, I thought every fight meant we were going to get divorced. It took a while for me to realize it doesn't. We typically have a fight that lasts no more than a day, and then we get to make up. So one of the questions I ask my couples is, how long does it typically take for you guys to start talking again after there's an argument? And it's different for every couple. Some couples, it's just a couple hours. Some couples, it takes a few days. Whatever the answer, if you're trying to see that you have, if you have a weak relationship, the question you should be asking is, how long does it typically take for us to start talking after an argument? And has that time gotten longer? Did it used to just take one day and now it's taking two or three days before we start talking to each other? That's a bit of a red flag that something's wrong in the relationship. Connected to that concept is a second sign that the relationship has weakened, and that's withdrawal. During the honeymoon phase of a relationship, two people can sometimes breathe love and understanding into each other better than they can breathe air. But when the bond begins to weaken, there are observable signs that can sadly point to a failure in the future. One of the biggest ones is when you start to pull away from your partner. So this could be as a result of an argument, but it can also be because you feel like you're growing in different directions. You know, there's a passion in your life that you don't feel like your partner appreciates, respects, or shares. Maybe they're they have a social circle and they're spending more time and instead of confronting them, you feel like, well, I'll just go do my thing and one thing leads to another and a month and a half later, you suddenly are living two very separate lives. So the withdrawal, the fact that you're not connecting, you're not checking in, maybe there's a secret in your life. Maybe there's a part of your life you haven't shared 
with your partner. Maybe you feel like there are secrets happening on their side. All of those are signs of withdrawal. And withdrawal, detachment, uh, comes a lot of issues in a relationship. Because eventually, that withdrawal becomes comforting. At the end of the day, the one person you really can't run away from forever is yourself. So it's reliable. It's reliable that you could be alone. A lot of people don't realize that depression has an addictive quality, right? Depression has an addictive quality because it's always there if you really need it. And that reliability that you can always feel crappy about yourself is pretty addictive. Being alone has the same addictive property. Withdrawing from your partner has the same addictive property. It might be uncomfortable and you might feel lonely when you withdraw, but at the end of the day, you don't need anybody to withdraw. You don't need anybody to be alone. And so it's always there if you want it. It's like always, you know, it's like in a first world country, having water come from a tap, you just take it for granted. And so as you withdraw and you get used to it, you might tend to develop a pattern of what we call stonewalling. So if there is an argument, if there is something you want to bring up to your partner, you just say, you know what? It's too difficult. I'm going to go back to what I'm comfortable, what I know I can do, where there's very little effort, and that's withdrawing. And that's a problem. When you stonewall, when you detach, that is a huge sign that there's a big, big problem in the relationship because the only reason relationships exist is for you to connect. As long as it's not a transactional relationship where you got married specifically for money or you coupled up just to make a baby and that's it. I mean, it that it really doesn't exist so much in today's culture. So the real reason relationships exist is for that connection. And if you're withdrawing from each other, you're basically breaking the relationship. It might happen slower or faster in some relationships, but withdrawal is the definition that something is wrong with the relationship. The third sign that I see is a lack of trust or respect in the relationship. Usually when you get together with somebody, whether they're older or younger or the same age or in a different place in their career, there's usually aspects of their character that you find admirable. Yes, there has to be physical attraction of some sort for most people, assuming you're not asexual, but that usually doesn't, it usually isn't enough to develop a full-fledged relationship. There has to be elements of their worldview, of who they are as a person outside of their physical attraction that makes you want to actually have a relationship with them and not just sex. You can get blinded by the sex, especially if it's very, very good. And you might start manipulating your own rationality in terms of why you want to be with them. That happens. But usually that doesn't last very long. And when you get to that point in the relationship where you realize, I like who this person is, you are looking at those aspects of their character that you trust, that you respect, that you love about them. And when those aspects of their character suddenly become things that you don't respect anymore, maybe you've been around them long enough to realize there's inconsistencies, maybe you're just angry at them for something else and so suddenly those aren't so amazing to you and you start taking them for granted and you don't start appreciating who they are as a person, then that lack of respect for them leads to, guess what? Withdrawal, resentment. 
It goes back to the main problem of a weak relationship, which is you don't connect. Because if you don't respect someone, you're not going to want to connect with them. You're going to look for connection, human connection with someone you do respect. Not necessarily an affair. You might start spending a lot more time with friends, with family, with a work colleague, with a, with a mentor of some sort. It doesn't always lead to sex, but you have essentially taken yourself out of the relationship because there's an aspect of the person's character that you just started to either disrespect or you're just dismissing them as someone that is not worthy of your attention. Similarly, trust is an issue. If the person has had an act of betrayal, financial, physical, emotional, whatever the act of betrayal is, and they've done something where you just don't trust them, well, you can't really be in a relationship, not a, not a full-fledged romantic, uh, you know, unguarded relationship with someone where there is no trust. It's very, very difficult. So how do you rectify this? You know, that is a little bit more complicated. Rebuilding trust is kind of a topic of a whole other thing. But if you feel like you don't trust them, or if you feel like your partner doesn't trust you, then that is a very, very clear sign that there is a weakening of the relationship. So you have to kind of jump on that. You have to kind of talk about how to rebuild trust. You have to, because that's something that takes two people, right? You can't have someone say, I don't trust you. And then the other person say, well, get over it. Right? It's not like the respect issue. If you find that you're not respecting your partner, some of that work, some of that internal, emotional, psychological work can be done on your own. Trust is a little more tricky. If someone doesn't trust you, there has to be some conversation. And usually there has to be, if, if, if they just can't get over it, if that trust is just too hard to rebuild, you usually need the help of a professional at that point to kind of steer them. Because that, that kind of is an indication that the other person doesn't really know when to let go or how to move forward. Another sign that your relationship has some issues is if you're just not communicating. Now this doesn't is not necessarily the same as a withdrawal. When you withdraw from your partner, it is completely possible that you're having communication, especially like if you have kids, for example, or if you run a business together, there's going to be a ton of transactional communication. And you might actually be really good at it. What time am I picking up the kids? Three o'clock. No problem. You show up. Everybody does exactly what they're told. But there's an emotional withdrawal. When there's no communication or poor communication, that's a separate issue. Oftentimes they go hand in hand, for sure. If you withdraw, sometimes communication falls apart. But they're not mutually exclusive. You can have one without the other. So... If you and and you can be close emotionally, but you're just not communicating. So there's the sense that I love you, you love me, but we just are we are not on the same page. I tell you to show up at this time, you think I say this time, I tell you we need this, you ignore me, you tell me this, I don't hear you. And there's a lot of affection, there's a lot of love, and maybe there's a lot of quality time where you sit together and you watch TV together or you go on hikes, but for some reason, you're not 
communicating. There's something that's not getting across. And that happens quite a bit. I would say if I had to pick which one's more off, you know, more common, the withdrawal is. People learn to function on a on a just a basic day-to-day level and ignore their emotional pain more often than they can address their emotional pain and not function on in the physical world. So this is less frequent, but it does happen. It does happen. And I do see it happen with people who are gr- are very high functioning. So business leaders are great at this. They they talk about everything. They're very structured. They sometimes they're great. So if I get a couple in my in my practice <clears throat> and I often very often assign homework at the end of every session like you should be doing this every day or every week, those people tend to be great at homework. They follow directions to a T. They like getting A's on the test. So when I give them homework, they thrive. But there's not a lot of compassion in what they do. And sometimes just the action will get them there. And that's kind of one of my jobs as a counselor is to assign homework that kind of pushes them to feel. But sometimes it doesn't connect. And when it doesn't connect and there's no emotional, you know, oomph behind it, then that's usually a sign that there's some emotional trauma that blocks them from being able to get in touch with their feelings because there's too much pain there. That's when I see this happen more often than not. Um, another, Another sign is that you feel like you're walking on eggshells around your partner. So when you feel like you got to just be careful because they might explode at any moment, that is not a good sign. That is a sign that there are some serious issues in your relationship that you need to talk about. And you really can't let them go too long. Other ones that I'll just mention quickly is an inability to compromise or be flexible. If you find that you just don't want to make concessions on anything because it's not worth it. What that says to me as a counselor is the relationship isn't a priority and you're not willing to make sacrifices or be flexible because the relationship isn't your primary concern. It's taken a back seat to probably everything else in your life and there's resentment there. If you're inflexible on everything or most things, it's not really a sign that you're stubborn. It could be, but usually I find that you just don't value the relationship. And when you don't value the relationship, everything else comes first. And so everything else has to be your way. And obviously you can see this in your partner as well. And really, if you're in a romantic relationship these days, in the way society is set up today, it has to be your primary concern. It's just kind of the way it goes. Of course, another big sign, and this is what I'll kind of leave you with, is that you're feeling drained. You're feeling unhappy most of the time. If you're in a relationship where you, instead of it energizing you, you feel zapped. If you're with your partner, you're with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, And after 30 minutes, you're just exhausted, 
because you have to say the same thing over again. You guys aren't communicating or it feels like you're walking on eggshells like any other of the, any of the other symptoms I've kind of mentioned or something even unspoken that you just you're just tired. That's a bad sign. Seeing your partner should be like doing a shot of really extreme caffeine when you need it or just the opposite. They should either excite you or soothe you. Usually a little bit of both. It's usually a little bit of both. Usually you're excited to see them and you feel at home. So there's a sense of serenity that comes over you. If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships, then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass, if you will, about three secrets that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours. Enjoy. Enjoy.